Name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Double Oz 7, the podcast that covers Australia, Canada, Mexico, Colombia, everything in between. And we are here for our anniversary episode. It's our 50th episode. Can you believe it's been 50 episodes already? It seemed like only five years ago we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of Bond. And now we're right up there because, let's face it, we are just as big as the James Bond series. We have to make just as big of a deal of our 50th. Uh, My name is Colin, and I do have an iguana on my shoulder, if you're wondering. And my name is Ben, and I do have a blinking fish on my shoulder, if you're wondering. (laughs) And These references will make sense in a second. They will, Uh, yes, yes. (laughs) But... (laughs) But as we said at the end of our last commentary, you know, we wanted to do something big for the 50th anniversary episode for 007. uh, And something that Ben had mentioned just minutes before we started recording the commentary for Review to a Kill. We got the 50th anniversary coming up. Should we do something big? Should we try to get an interview? Should we try to get Noah back on the show for a bit? Which, you know, we'll tease now. We will have it, but he's not our special guest today. Uh, ben, do you want to do the honors of telling everybody our special guest? Well, for our 40th episode, we were planning on doing lots of throwbacks, of course, to uh, previous uh, episodes. Didn't happen. So, for our 50th one, we were going to try and get Adele to come in and sing the um, introduction. Sadly, our budget doesn't quite cover uh, getting her on. So we've uh, we've stretched out and uh, we thought to ourselves, well, again, as Colin just said, Noah could be a good return guest, but, you know, he'll just make a cameo in this episode. But he's he's the Madonna of uh, 007 in this episode. Um, <laughs> the cameo nobody asked for. <laughs> yes. Um, and he'll win, a, he'll win a golden raspberry for his performance on this episode. But we, yes, we, we spread the net out. We thought, like, we've got to make this special. And, um, you know, we've contacted people in the James Bond world to try and get them on the show. You know, we've had co- communication with Sean Connery's agent, with Roger Moore's, with Pierce Brosnan's, with George Lazenby's. And clearly, because you've heard all those interviews on 007, you know they were successful communications. But we did have successful communication with one person that we reached out to and it's so exciting and i mean you know it obviously who it is because you've clicked on the episodes and you've read who's in it we are of course talking about robert darby who of course played sanchez in license to kill and not just not just license to kill i mean outside of james bond you know he's been in hundreds of of tv shows movies video games i mean he's a hollywood icon he's a legend this guy was friends with frank sinatra he hangs out with arnold schwarzenegger you know and and so many stories that you're going to hear in this i don't want to over overkill it because you've got to listen to the actual interview but i mean colin we've i think had 30 minutes with the guy learnt so much more and the fact that we only had that amount of time, and the fact he kind of wants to come back and talk more is probably a good thing, I think, because this was fun. This was this was very fun. Yeah, and I mean, 
we've talked about this in the past about maybe getting guests on the show and you know to be honest as we've said many times before with the projects we do uh, it takes a lot of time you know to to do the rewatches to do the commentaries to do the rankings and all that and it was just about finding the right place for this and i can't say how happy i am that we did get robert as the guest you know uh, i wasn't the hugest fan of license to kill as a movie but i was very high on the villains and just the detail he goes into here and how well he understands this character and its motives i mean it basically completely changes at least my perception of sanchez as a villain in this i mean we're, we're teasing this a little bit but i mean people are in for a real treat here i mean this is the type of guy you could sit down and you could just listen to him tell stories for a three-hour show in charge admission for i mean we get so much good stuff out of here i mean a, a few other teases we're gonna hear about a meeting he had with a very infamous character from the era that this movie came out in uh, a story that i think maybe has been mentioned in the past but he goes into a lot of detail here uh, as well as we get to find out about a major role that he missed out on uh, that really took about 20 years for somebody else to get, which turned into a massive blockbuster. And you know, it was almost Robert Dobby back in the, the 80s. I mean, uh, so many great stories here. And the, the guy really is a true storyteller. And this was so far uh, exceeded my expectations of what I expected out of him. And speaking of uh, expectations, uh, as Colin and I and, and Noah, we're very proud James Bond fans. You know, we've hosted 49 episodes of James Bond podcasting and we love this film series often more than life itself. Uh, we are we are put on the spot at one point in this interview, <laughs> and our fandom of James Bond is put to the test. And just let's say we fail miserably. So, yeah. um, we, well, well, let's. He nearly stumped us, and yeah. we're going to only say nearly because he was very generous he was. in letting us have yes. multiple guesses. Yes. There. Yeah. So listen to Colin and I squirm is... as we uh, yeah. try and and go through this uh, bit of trivia. I guess that you could say that Robert Darby puts us on the spot with yeah i mean i we can't say enough about him and you know uh about the projects he's involved in and uh you know his his upcoming album we get to talk a little bit about that uh and it was such a pleasure to talk to him so let's just throw to it now the first part of our 50th anniversary episode here's an interview with license to kills robert Downey. massive pleasure right now to be able to introduce our next guest to you. He's a star, a Hollywood legend who has been in more than 100 films and TV series. He's also been in video games. He's a singer. He's got an album. He's touring the world right now. There's there's a whole lot we could talk about right now about his amazing career, but of course, you're listening to 007 and you know him mainly from that series, of course, as playing the great Fran Sanchez in License to Kill, and we are hugely excited on our 50th episode to welcome to the program Mr. Robert Darby. Robert, welcome to 007. Thank you for your time today. Uh, well, thank you, my, my dear friends. Thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, of course, doing a show that's based on the most successful series of films in the history of cinema. Exactly, and we, we are here to we, celebrate. We know what that is. Yes, James Bond 007. Uh, that's our show. 007 is actually the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just apparently claiming that uh, Bond loves our show that much. But uh, I mean, as we I'm, are pretty much on the same level of fame. Yeah, exactly, honest. we're often confused for for James Bond. But uh, Rob, as I mentioned, uh, of course, Alice know you very well for playing the role of Fran Sanchez in License to Kill. It's been 28 years now since 
the film uh, was released. Incredible to think it's been that long. I mean, going into the film when you first were cast into it, were you a fan of the James Bond series before you were actually cast as Sanchez in the film? What fan of cinema is not a fan of the James Bond franchise? <laughs> I think every kid has looked in the mirror. I don't. Every actor, every actress, every director, every writer that I've talked to, Every, I mean, even, you know, I, they don't have to be actors in the entertainment industry. Everyone's looked in that mirror at some point in their lives and said, Bond, James Bond, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> uh, or they wanted to play the supervillain in some way. They wanted to play, I mean, I can't tell you how many people come. So, yes, the first time I heard of James Bond was from my, uh, I was on a baseball team, uh, probably in about eight, I was a, maybe about nine years old. And, and uh, the coach was Ed Kirkman. And don't forget, JFK talked about the James Bond films and the book, Ian Fleming. He had brought that up big time. And uh, on His Majesty's Secret Service, I think that's the book he was talking about at the time. And um, anyway, so that was the first entree into the books. I started to read the books, and then, of course, every new Bond film you would run to the theater to see that opening title sequence and watch uh, to see how James Bond saved the world. How did your involvement start with the license to kill? Like, uh, were you brought in to audition for this or did they have you in mind? And what was the development of the Sanchez character like when you were brought in? Well, first off, you had, again, when I was born in Astoria, Queens on Long Island and then grew up in Dix Hills. My mother was born in Southampton oddly enough, from an Italian immigrant family. Now, also part of watching the Bond films when I was younger, it always said, Albert R. Broccoli Presents. And you had that. At one time it had Broccoli and Saltzman, but then it had Albert R. Mm -hmm. Broccoli Presents. And you always, and I would always say, who is this Italian fellow? Who's this Romulus Broccoli? <laughs> and then Cubby was born in Astoria, Queens, by the way, where I was born. And he grew up in Sag Harbor. So... The cut to Los Angeles, mid-80s, late-80s, uh, Goonies. I do Goonies. A big fan of the Goonies film was Tina, uh, Tina Broccoli, Cubby's uh, daughter. Wow. She was a big fan of Bond. And Tina said she got to know me through a, a, a place where uh, we all used to hang out by Cafe Roma, Mickey Rourke, Schwarzenegger. I brought all these guys to this restaurant. Still people are going to it today in Beverly Hills. But, uh, so I'd go there, and, and Tina said to me, oh, my dad would love you. Uh, and then she found out I was born in Astoria, Queens, and all this other stuff, an Italian. And then she arranged a dinner for me to meet her father and mother, stepmom, Dana, so Albert and, and Dana. And uh, I hit it off with Cubby beautifully. And uh, a couple of years later, I had done a film called Terrorist on Trial that was way ahead of its time, the United States of America versus Salim Ajami. I played a Palestinian kidnapped by the United States government to stand trial for acts of terrorism. And uh, I played the, the title character, and Sam Waterston played the prosecutor, pre-law and order, and uh, Ron Lieben played a Jewish defense attorney put there to defend this Palestinian terrorist that, uh, that, was, running for, that was in trial. And uh, courtroom drama, written by Levinson Link, two of the greatest names in television 
up till then. The you know, major writers, last script they wrote together. Produced by a guy named George Englund, who was subsequently Brando's, one of Brando's best friends, and also ran Brando's company, Penny Baker, back in the day, and directed and produced The Ugly American with Brando. Wow. And this was George's brainchild. George was always ahead of the, the, the topics. He also did a thing called Shoes of the Fisherman. But very top-shelf ideas. Anyway, that film had come out on, uh, on TBS one evening, Sunday night, I think it was, three-hour special. I was on the cover of the L.A. Times, New York Times, and it raved about my performance. And Richard Maybaum was watching the show, and he called up Cubby Broccoli. And Richard Maybaum said to Cubby Broccoli, put on Channel 2 right away. And Cubby says, I've got it on. He goes, that guy, that's the next Bond villain. And Cubby says, I agree. And they called me in the next day, and I met with Michael Wilson and Cubby Broccoli. And then subsequently they set up a meeting for me to meet with um, uh, 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 Timothy Dalton. And then the, uh, and Michael Wilson and, uh, uh, and the rest, and uh, bingo. Wow. I was uh, offered the part. And they said that, Cubby said to me, you're going to hear a lot of noise on the street because every agent in the world is going to go after the thing, and we'd like to create a little bit of suspense around all of it, but you're the guy. And they, you know, gave, uh, we, we talked about the character, developed certain things for it, and it became a terrific character. And uh, the, uh, Michael Wilson, because uh, there was a writer's strike, had to take over the writing for it, and it became a great uh, piece. And how does that feel as such a fan, then, of the Bond series to get that that offer? I mean, that must be, I mean, you know, too incredible to obviously pass up and, and to play the villain as well, the, the, the main antagonist. I mean, that, that, there must be a lot going through your mind at that point, Robert, going, this is, this is incredible. Yes, I mean, there, there were, prior to that, I mean, I had gotten notoriety for my acting. People liked it. My mentor was Stella Adler. I was in the actor's studio, so I had gotten, I'd gotten some, a lot of uh, a good uh, encouragement, so to speak, and also even the director Robert Aldrich. And earlier in the '80s, when I did Hill Street Blues and I did a play in Los Angeles, I would, I, 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 Robert Aldrich called to meet with me, and he offered me a three-picture deal. One of the pictures, and it's a long story, I won't go into it today, was Man on Fire. That was initially me. And then the other book I gave him was Preeti's Honor. We were going to do a three-picture deal that they signed me to. And then Robert Aldrich passed away. So I had had a shot almost at really becoming an entity. And now the Bond film was a uh, reawakening of, uh, uh, of, of, of having the... Because there's no film bigger than, than Bond internationally at that time. There was nothing. It dwarfed everyone else. I mean, that year, licensed uh, Lethal Weapon came out, and Batman, and a bunch of other stuff. But yet, overseas, of which I went to, I, I went to Australia. Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, uh, Melbourne. I, I, all over Australia to promote the film. Good to hear. Um, and all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, from Asia to, uh, to Europe. Did you go to Winnipeg and, uh, in Canada at all, Robert? Did you, did you head north <laughs> <up> to Winnipeg? <laughs> did not <laughs> no, we, we missed Winnipeg. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> but I've been to, to Toronto, of course. There you go, Many Colin. times, and to Woodbridge. Oh, uh, and uh, um, as a matter of fact, I have a, a star on the Italian Walk of Fame. Wow. In, uh, in, in, on, it used to be in college. Now they're moving it to Woodbridge, I think, where, where there's a huge Italian contingent. Wow. Contingency, uh, with, along with Phil Esposito and, and uh, some other wonderful people, great people. But the... Um, and I've been at Fallsview Casino. I did a huge concert there at Fallsview three nights. 
uh, Niagara Falls. But anyway, the, the uh, getting back to that, uh, yeah, I mean, doing a Bond film is, uh, uh, that was just, uh, yeah. And it's still, because there are films that, that go around today, but every two years or every time a new Bond film comes out, everyone looks at all the past Bond films. Mm-hmm. And there's some kind of retrospect done on those villains or that, you know, again, Timothy Dalton, the Bond film we did, the second film, License to Kill, which was a, we went back to Casino Real to uh, where Bond and the villain were mirror images of each other. And that was a very, you know, interesting thing. That was So I played, even though Sanchez was a Colombian drug lord, so to speak, I played him as if he was if James Bond was a Colombian drug lord. Wow, I mean? wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, at least with that, with that adjustment a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, of course, the actions that he does don't let you uh, do that. And Timothy, you know, had the edge of, of how the villain would be in terms of revenge. And I think one of the lines that we discussed and I put in there with Michael Wilson was, loyalty is more important to me than money. Hmm. And... Uh, that was something that, you know, because it became this guy's Achilles heel. It was his Achilles heel was his need for loyalty. And then uh, at least Sanchez's. But anyway, the, um, as you, and, and as you see, License to Kill, now looked at by people in retrospect, is a much more interesting film perhaps than they thought at the time. I just want to go back for a second uh, really quickly on something you said. When you said you were working with Robert Aldrich on something, you mentioned Man on Fire. That's not the same one that came out with decades later with Denzel, is it? Yep. I had it first. Wow. That's a long <laughs> story. And, and, and the first one that really had it was Scott Glenn. That Rob, Bob Aldrich, here's what happened. Here's the story of that. My agent was Phil Gersh. He used to represent Humphrey Bogart. Gersh Agency in Los Angeles. Very respected very powerful, very good family agency. Now it's bigger than it was then, but Bobby Gersh and David Gersh were the sons. Phil Gersh, uh, I asked them to try to get me the rights to a book that was written under a pseudonym. The guy's name was A.J. Quinnell, out of London, England. And uh, they tried to get the rights for me, but they couldn't get the rights. They said somebody had them. And uh, what happened was uh, then two years later, or a year and a half later, Phil says, uh, Bob Aldrich wants to meet you. And I go, really? Now, I love Bob Aldrich because he liked doing films with men doing manly things. You know what I mean? He did the, uh, I, I think film today is suffering, to be honest with you. Hollywood is suffering. That's why they go to Australia, Canada, London to get, to get guys to play guys because <laughs> the, 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 the males in, 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 in America have been effeminized. And they all, uh, they're all terrific, but they all look the same. There's really no, there's, it's a, there's something that, that transpired over the years that have taken away those great faces that they still, so they go to London and they go to Australia or Canada to get leading men a lot of the time. I often get asked, Robert, um, I just, I'm just too busy to, to currently do anything. So, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I mean, anyway. So now what happens is, I meet with Bob Aldrich, and I'm telling him about... He goes, what kind of material do you like? And I tell him. He goes, you've got incredible effing taste, young man. <laughs> and he tells his son, Bill, get the script. And there it was. He had the rights to Man on Fire. And he had a great script, and he gave me the script. He goes, this is why you're here. 
um, I want you to play the lead character, Creasy, because I, I told him about it already. And, we made, and then I gave him Preetzee's Honor later on. Preetzee's Honor was another book that I read in galley form. Um, but he died. He died, and we were supposed to do a romantic comedy anyway. So while he was in pre-production of doing Man on Fire, he passed. That then went into the hands of an Israeli director, I forget his name, and they did a, a movie with it with Scott Glenn that is a, is a very, uh, not, a, not a great film. And then later on, they did the movie with Denzel, which is a better film, but not as good as what Aldrich had, in my estimation, or what Aldrich would have made from it. Wow, there you go. There you go. That's, that's incredible to think that. And this is before The Professional. Don't forget The Professional has elements to that film. Yeah. So when they didn't make, when they didn't make that, they then took and they re... So anyway, so, it's, uh, it's, uh, so my, my career had a little bit of a misstep there. And then uh, after the Bond film, when I should have maybe waited for the right films, I... You know, I whored out, and I did films maybe I shouldn't have done. And anyway, the rest is uh, tainted history, so to speak. Tainted history. <laughs> I mean, just going back, you're you mentioning uh, about reading Casino Royale and kind of obviously Le Chiffre and that, you know, being a mirror image when it came to portraying Sanchez. I also read that in, in preparation for the role, uh, obviously given the, the drug cartel connections that Sanchez has in the film and, and the type of character, that you yourself, uh, to research and get ready for this role, had to get involved with some quite interesting characters in preparation for, for this film. I mean, what was what was that like? How do you go about finding some Colombian drug lords? I guess you don't just get the phone book and try and dial a few. I guess it's a bit more difficult than that. Actually, you'll find all types in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and, uh, and especially in Hollywood. It was the 80s too, wasn't it? Anything so. you may have to yeah, end of the 80s. So anyway, so yeah, you just question. I heard somebody was a Colombian guy, and I said, really, he was from Medellin. And he, I think through a model, I think through one of, these, one of these girls that became a pleasure wife of Adnan Khashoggi or something. There was some, there was, and I heard that she had an ex-boyfriend who was dealing, and uh, he was from Colombia and Medellin. And I said, oh, can I, can I talk to this guy? And he knew then the... Uh, the um uh what is it the uh, architect a guy that did uh escobar's house wow and uh <laughs> wow and then, and then yeah then i then i talked and then subsequently in the 90s uh in the early right around then you know right early i, I met pablo escobar in in uh, brazil wow how does that how does that go how how do you go into that meeting someone like that and i guess Try and stay calm. <laughs> well, first off, I didn't know I was meeting him. Wow, okay. <laughs> I was in Brazil doing a film with a director. I was in Manaus, which is... Uh, Manaus is northern in Horaima, part of Brazil. I was doing a film with Mika Kaurismaki, great uh, Finnish director, him and his brother Aki. Aki gets a lot of awards, and Mika's uh, like... Uh, he's kind of like uh, commercial and art, a uh, little different. But anyway, he did this film called Amazon, Amazon. And it was about the Garimpos, the gold diggers in the Amazon rainforest. And uh, I wound up playing this character, and we were there for like nine weeks. Uh, and I was in Horaima, in Manaus, where the rubber barons used to be. They had this beautiful, the Hotel Trapacal, this amazing uh, place built right in the middle of the jungle. 
kind of like a Fitzcarraldo thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, there I am, and uh, I'm in this big dining room after being in the in the deep jungle in Tepecan and Boa Vista for like a few weeks, where there was just old monkeys, old monkeys, and and uh, Finnish crew with uh, high on vodka. <laughs> you know, it was funny. But. So I finally get to civilization, and I'm there in this wonderful banquet hall, and. Um, a couple of guys approached me, uh, and uh, they, the film had just been released in Brazil a couple of weeks earlier. Wow. And um, it was, like, very big over there. And they said to me, oh, Robert Davi, we would love to uh, invite you, our friend. Uh, uh, he knows you're in town. because uh, there was publicity on it. We'd love to invite you to the villa and have something to drink and maybe meet and talk. I said, ooh. And he says, oh, no, it does no matter, but we take you. Uh, and I was, I says, huh? And he says, I said, he's very interesting, man. And, uh, you know, the, he will uh, love to have this and you'll be rewarded for your, you know, whatever. So, not rewarded, but something that led to, I think I was going to get a Rolex watch. You know what I mean? If I showed up. <laughs> right. That kind of vibe. Right. <laughs> All right. And, and, be, and being, you know, here I was in the rainforest and they said, oh, this is interesting, you know. All right, I'm, I'm up for an experience. So they took me and they drove me for about 45 minutes into the jungle. And then an area, little dirt road kind of thing in the middle of the jungle. And then all of a sudden this area opens up. Like there's like a, a gate that has trees on it that is hidden. And then another long road that's uh, paved uh, into the jungle. And then this villa in the middle of this area and guards. And then all of a sudden it becomes apparent, you know, uh, that I'm going to meet somebody interesting. And then I meet this guy, uh, Pablo Escobar. Wow. And he told me some interesting stories. He, he liked the film. He liked the idea of the loyalty is more important <laughs> to me than money. He mentioned that. Uh, he said, and then he mentioned, he says, you know, and I knew this. He goes, in my house in Medellin, we have a, uh, in my, I have a, one of the houses. I had a, a, uh, in the middle of the house. There's a track, it goes out and in, and we play. I play with my friends. We play Lulu, which is I guess a card game there, and we drink aguardiente. It goes, and every, every few minutes you hear, and we stop, and we watch the gate of the Paso Fino horse. Now, there's a special horse that they, the Pasofino horses, you know, half a million dollars a piece based on the gate. Their left goes together. Their right, you know, so there's no jiggly. Mm -hmm. Very easy to ride in the mountains and indigenous to that area. Uh, so he told me that would be interesting to have the Pasofino horse to show the appreciation of these beautiful animals. And then he said, uh, I tell you my mentality. When I was young, and I'm a businessman, when I was young, I wanted to buy a discotheque, and they didn't let me buy the discotheque. They didn't sell it to me because I was in, they said I was unsavory. So they wouldn't sell me the discotheque. And I offered them double the money, they wouldn't sell it. So what I did was I built, a couple of years later, the exact replica across the street to a tea. <laughs> and I charged no one any, any fee to come in to drink nothing and put them out of business. Wow. <laughs> Because they didn't sell it to me. This is my mentality. Wow. Anyway, so 
that was a very interesting uh, peek into his, his a little bit of his psyche. And, and I can definitely imagine then, Robert, that you're glad he liked the film. Um, I mean, I couldn't imagine if he's, <laughs> if he's brought you to his place like that, only for him to be like, I have some problems with the way you played that character. I didn't like it. <laughs> Well, that's like what happened to the CNN reporter recently. You hear what happened to him? Yeah, was that the... Um, that wasn't Anderson Cooper, was it? Was it? And he, he got all the way in deep with that? Um, am I thinking of the right person? No, another guy, Aslan something or other, went to some kind of cultish thing, mm-hmm. some religious cultist, and they made him eat a monkey brain. Ah, and right, the, no, and different he was one, talking yeah, too one, much. And the, yep. And the chief didn't... You should read that article. It's kind of frightening. Hmm. I mean, yeah, something could go sour. But no, 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 this was... No, I knew the film was, the, the, you know, I portrayed the guy, you know, if you look at it, no act of violence. There's only one act of violence that Sanchez really uh, does uh, that's not in response to something that's done to him. There's only one act of violence. All the other acts of violence, Sanchez is responding to something that was done to him mm-hmm. first. So if you're going to play the game, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, can you, do you know the one act of violence committed that really um, wasn't committed to Sanchez? Now, uh, uh, do you want to guess here, Colin? Uh, with you, Lupe, you, right? No. The- Lupe, first off, the whipping of Lupe should have been erotic, but they couldn't do eroticism and, uh, and violence right. to women, especially back then. Look at Fifty Shades of Grey. The game, it was a game that they played, that Lupe played with Sanchez. That was a game, a sexual game. Really, that's what that was really intended for, because Bonds, as a whole, have all those a sadomasochistic undertow in the books. There is a bit of that in there. So it was a, a method of, of eroticism where she knew she would get punished if she was a bad girl. You know what I mean? So there's that whole, but, but that, was never, that, was, that could never be played, uh, you know, in the film. That could never be, so they had to put tears in her eyes. You know what I mean? As opposed to it being something that was... But still, no, Lupe, uh, she knew what she did. I mean, she went and she screwed somebody else, mm. you know, to make Sanchez angry. My, 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 guess, you know? my guess would be... Um, how much, when the you... whole thing was, how much do you love me, Sanchez? Mm. You know what I mean? Will you risk your life to come and get me? You know what I mean? So that's the cat and mouse. So he risks his life. Yeah, I was going to guess uh, when... Um, you uh, and I, I'm going blank on the character's name. When you put the guy in the the uh, the pressure, the hyperbaric chamber. Oh, Crest. Crest. No, yeah, no Crest. that's not it either. No. We're we're big Bond fans here, uh, <laughs> no, Robert. We're that, huge. Um. <laughs> that was done. That was done because Bond set that guy up. Bond was the one that set uh, um, uh, what's his name, Anthony Zerby's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget his name now. No, there's Milton another. There's, a, there's only one act of violence, really. That, and it's just because the guy was an irritant. Yeah, you remember? You want me to tell you? Yeah, you're going to have to because we're we're really failing our um our status <laughs> here right, as a James Bond line. podcast, you here, Robert. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you the line. I'll give you the line, and you tell me who it is. Time to start cutting overhead. Uh, no, that wasn't Felix. No. Uh, near the end of the movie. That uh, Truman, Truman Lodge. Truman Lodge. There you go. Yes. The accountant. <laughs> I win. <laughs> the accountant. That was the only act of violence because he was an irritant. Yeah. 30 million, that's another great, man. Another $30 million. You know what I mean? 
Well, that, that was a good one. I mean, no one liked Truman Lodge, did they? Uh. No, he didn't. He was a little. He was a little irritant. That guy. You know what I mean? So, but but that was the. But but think about it. Nobody liked him, but he was the one act of violence that Sanchez really commits that you could say is unjustified. It's a good point. Mm. It's a, I mean, they, they, I mean, it's just it's interesting, sort of looking at it that way. And um, you know, I mean, we've done. Uh, we, we obviously did our film recap on License to Kill, and we, you know, we we're doing film commentaries, Robert. So we'll we'll do that at one point. But I mean, with that, that's um, I, I mean, Colin, there you go. We didn't have that take on it at all. So uh, we've 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 learned something today as well. And here's something else to add. I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, there's ever been a film where someone who was already dead was shot. Now Sanchez, and this was again an improv. Remember when what's his name takes. Uh, the uh, cyanide pill, mm-hmm. Carrie here at the Gawa played him. All right. And what do I do? He dies and I pull up my gun. I go, Hiwa puta. And I shoot him mm-hmm. because he didn't give me the satisfaction of killing him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Sanchez, so after that, after that moment, and you guys could research, this would be good. I'd like to know if this is so. But after that moment, other films had people killing guys that were already dead. And you started the trend. I, well, Bond. Look, I've been in trailers on big movie sets where the directors and the producers were watching Bond sequences for their action films to do takes on them. And the thing about Bond and something that Cubby always wanted was that the wardrobe, there were a few times when they made the wardrobe of the, of the moment. And then they said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to make it so you can watch this film in 20 years and not have it feel that dated. You know what I mean? In terms of music and wardrobe, in some instances. You know, outside of even License to Kill, you know, you mentioned earlier how you'd done the Goonies and everything. And I mean, as you detailed, like, the complexity of the villain, you really had this great string in the 80s of playing, you know, these iconic villains, even though some of them probably shouldn't have been villains. I mean, the three main ones, at least for me growing up in my childhood, I mean, I can't go through this without asking about the Goonies and Die Hard. I mean, and... Of those three movies, you know, you obviously had the biggest, most complex role in License to Kill, but I mean, the fan bases for Goonies and Die Hard are out there as well. Which one of these do you usually get the most recognition for? That depends. That 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 always depends. I think because there's no sequels, that there's a, uh, it's it's always, and then, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what, what, what uh, Josh Brolin said on uh, the, the um, Jimmy Fallon show one night. Jimmy Fallon's a huge Goonie fan. Mm-hmm. And he had Josh Brolin on with a bandana. He, Jimmy Fall, uh, wore a red bandana, Jimmy Fallon. And then he presented one to Josh. Now, Josh Brolin's done a lot of other films, as I have, you know, and he's done bigger films, you know, uh, some, some interesting things, you know. But yet, when Josh was asked, what film do people most go to you on? It's Goonies. Mm-hmm. And um, now... It depends on where you are in the world. See, the interesting thing is if I go to certain parts of South America or, or, uh, or Jamaica or the Bahamas or different areas, like even uh, Bangladesh, let's say, or India, you know what I mean? There's a huge bond contingency around the world or Norway or Estonia. Then uh, other areas have a huge Goonie contingency or a diehard, or, you know what I mean? And then there's showgirl. But, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, it, it, it depends. It depends. It's a, uh, 
there's a there's a drawing pool from a lot of different things. And how did you find you know going through those three movies, which really were just over the course of a few years, and playing those different villains? Like, did you carry experiences from one to the other? Well, they were all different, weren't they? I mean, mm -hmm. look at. The, I mean, you in, technically in should the, have been a good guy in Die Hard. I mean, you were the <laughs> FBI. <you know? laughs> right, but you know that was at a time. You got to realize the psychology behind that film at that time. Bruce Willis had one more shot to be a movie star. His other two films had failed. His other films had failed at the box office. And Bruce Willis, because of his uh, character in Moonlighting, had a smirky kind of presence. Great presence, but smirky. Right? Mm -hmm. So, in Die Hard, they had to make him likable. When I first, I, I saw Die Hard with Arnold for the first time at 20th Century Fox. And when I come on the screen, who's in charge? Not anymore. Arnold gets mm -hmm. up in his, his chair and he goes, this is fantastic. This is great here. <laughs> this is fantastic. And then as, as, the, as the film went on and the character became more of a, you know, it, it dissipated. He looks over at me and goes, you idiot. What do you do here? How come you turned into this idiot now? How come you're going to save the day here and you're, and you're this fumbling FBI guy? What the hell is going on with you here? Well, he was upset because... <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I had a raw deal with Arnold back in the day. So here you have, you know, uh, uh, they had to make the FBI guys stupid, of course, because they, they couldn't come in to save the day because it, it made Bruce Willis, you know, I mean, and, and, and look at him walking around naked and, and, and uh, it was brilliant, a brilliant uh, project to put him in. And initially, you know who was supposed to do that character who got the book first, the right? Sinatra. Yes. As Dirty Harry. Mm -hmm. They went to Sinatra first with Dirty Harry. Wow. That's incredible. Different Again, and, uh, going back to what you are talking before about uh, Man on Fire, I mean, just how different these the Hollywood history could be, I guess you would say. <laughs> well, look, at, at least my history. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's exactly... I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine these things. Robert, I, I'm going to say, um, I mean, this is... We, we know, obviously, right now, uh, we, we don't have much time, but I want to take this opportunity right now to just quickly say thank you so much for joining us on our 50th episode, but we've got plenty more questions. I'm sure our listeners, after hearing this, will have questions themselves, so uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you back on to talk more about License to Kill and, and your, your outstanding career, because, again, uh, there's so much more that we can cover, and uh, we, we hope that we can we can get you back on to, to talk more about this again uh, very, very soon. Well, if you can uh, sell some albums, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we will sell you heaps. In Winnipeg, Hobart, you will go off the charts. That, that's how much we'll sell for you. All right, because I'm also, you can also get my, uh, AB, you know, ABC in Australia mm -hmm. has my record. Yes. I toured Australia. Plug, plug the record right now. I mean, I've got it right in front of me here in terms of what it's called, but I mean, I, I think it needs to come from the man's mouth. Darby Sinatra, Sinatra, yes. ABC Records. You can go on, mm -hmm. find it in Australia, and it's also in Canada. Uh, Davi Singh Sinatra, the uh, uh, Maple Core, it's on the label there. You can get them uh, in Canada. You can also just go to Amazon or iTunes and be able to download uh, the Davi Singh Sinatra. And we're going to uh, tag it on our site. We'll tag it for people to download, and uh, we will definitely yeah, we'll, and we'll get you back on uh, definitely to chat more about this, Colin. Yeah, and uh, I'm hoping at some point we get, like, a Strangers in the Night sequel to this. Is that going to be on, like, the follow-up? <laughs> well, I don't know. 
Why? You like Strangers in the Night? It's absolutely like one of my favorite songs of all time. I, I actually am a pretty big Sinatra fan. I just love that song. A lot of people love that song. That was one of his bigger hits, too. And I've stayed away from it, but I think because it's so... so uh, uh, people like it a lot. I may I may do it at some point. I haven't done it yet. I mean, I've got about 200-plus Sinatra songs and Great American Songbook stuff that I do But I mean, in my shows. Uh, but I, I may put on uh, Strangers in the Night at some point. People like it. I just did... I'm going to be on Mark Stein's show, markstein.com. Uh, uh, I just did with Don Black, a guy named Don Black. I was on there with Don Black. I did a version of Born Free. Wow. That is a very stirring version that you guys should check out at some point. It's supposed to be running at some point here in the near future. So Definitely. But anyway, guys, let's do this again. It was fun. If you get a good response and you show me there's a good response, uh, then we do it again. Definitely. We will. We will put that out there and we will show you. Absolutely, there is a, a lot more that we would love to chat about. And for sure, Robert, if, you, if you're up for, for part two, we'll make the sequel and um, <laughs> we will we will make it. We will do part two. We will. We will. More explosions, more uh, more action sequences, and, and we will make it. We will. Bigger and better. Isn't that, isn't that what you got to do in Hollywood now? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I, I, I think... Uh... I'm I'm for 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 quality, not Qu- quantity. Quality, good, good. Yeah, I like that. That's better. Yes. <laughs> and second death. And se- yes. You know, because <laughs> don't forget when we did the Bond film, those were all real stunts. Now you got CGI, you get everything. It's all great. It's exciting, but there's something missing. Mm. <laughs> there's something missing. Some there's something missing. Something is missing. I can't put my finger on it. Um, yeah, it's it's. We've got some questions. I think that you'll like when it comes to those. So there's a good teasing point. That's we've got to leave the listeners wanting more. So uh, there you go. You sold it well, <laughs> and we'll sell your album well. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> Thank you. And that was our interview with Robert Davi, Fran Sanchez from License to Kill. And seriously, I don't think we could have pumped this interview up enough beforehand. But in all that, we didn't even mention the best part, which is when I was asking about Die Hard. And I'm just here as like a Die Hard fan, but like 10 years old. And John McClane is like my new hero in life. And that was the first VHS I ever owned on my own was Die Hard at the age of 10. And I'm just waiting to hear a Die Hard story. It's like, I don't even care about Die Hard anymore. I just heard the single greatest Arnold Schwarzenegger impression I have ever heard. I think, I honestly don't think that was an impersonation. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was with him. And he just was like, lol, joke, here he is, throws the microphone in front of him. Look, I mean, if you listen to any of our other shows, like you know, the Oz Network, when we covered a recap of the sixth day, we, we've had our fair impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was, no joke, the greatest Schwarzenegger impression I've ever heard, and probably one of the funniest stories I've ever heard from Schwarzenegger. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> See, it doesn't even pile. It's it embarrassing. Comes, yeah, it's, oh, man, like... Honestly, the, the, it, that interview was gold, and I would love to have him back on the show again. And uh, I'd love to see the guy in concert, too. Like, go out and watch his YouTube videos. I mean, this is, like, the greatest Sinatra-esque singer that you'll ever see doing Sinatra. I mean, it's absolutely... it's it, His Schwarzenegger impression should give you an idea about how good he is at doing Sinatra. And, and we should mention, I mean, this is, uh, we obviously, in the time we had, we didn't get to cover a lot of the questions, and 
as uh, you know, sort of mentioned, people listening to this right now, please, if if you've got questions of your own, send them in. We'll tag that more probably at the end of this episode because, again, Robert's very gracefully agreed to to come back on and chat more in the future. So we hope to cover a lot more. But uh, Robert actually was friends with Frank Sinatra. Um, and part of uh, what we ultimately are going to hopefully discuss with him too is, is you know, Frank Sinatra's connections to his character of Sanchez and and things along those lines. So, uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely agree with Colin. Go and watch his, his performances of it because it is fantastic. And watch these performances directly after you've watched Licence to Kill. And think to yourself, yes. the guy who spent two hours trying to kill James Bond is now being Frank Sinatra. It's it's an interesting comparison, but and get his album like. Look. And the guy that hold on, the guy that killed Truman Lodge <laughs> just because he didn't like him, which Truman we Lodge. now yes. finally get. <laughs> now, you th- just let's be honest. If this was Spectre, etc., they would have edited that to make them sound oh. completely intelligent. We're Double R Seven. We like to be put on the spot, and we could have done Simpsons s <laughs> editing and got Noah to dub over, going. Truman Lodge. Um, but... He's doing sitting at home watching this episode. Oh, you guys, it's Truman Lodge. <laughs> yeah, you idiots. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, go out and buy his album. We're, we're tagging it because we can, and it's not also because just we've been told to. It is actually genuinely a good album. Um, as the great Molly Meldrum in Australia says, and Colin has no idea who I'm talking about, but Australian listeners do, do yourself a favour and go out and get the album because it's... Uh, it is good. It's great. And as the great Canadian Colin Hilding once said, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, so let's move on. <laughs> no, no idea what I'm talking about, if you're going to put Canadian in there. Uh, <laughs> just, you know. I mean, we did we did mention Noah sitting at home and uh, slapping himself in the head. You know, <laughs> why aren't you guys guessing Truman Lodge? Uh, what a coincidence that we actually do have a special message here from Noah Groves, who has not been with us since the first commentary we did dr no all the way back in i believe it was september which i wasn't on it of might course. have been uh, so i haven't been on an episode yeah. of Noah. i think since our song episode has it been that long yeah and you know what i think that we should start to put two and two together and realize that maybe <laughs> noah just doesn't want to do the show with ben anymore so i went to europe out. it's like i can't live you know half an hour from ben anymore i've got to leave i'm gonna leave the continent <laughs> Noah does an episode with me. He's like, oh, we're doing commentaries. This is great. And then all of a sudden, Ben's like, hey, guys, I'm back. Let's do a commentary. And Noah leaves the continent. Yes. He's literally got on a 24-hour flight <laughs> to go to the Netherlands and Denmark. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like he's just gone to New Zealand or Melbourne. He's literally gone to the Netherlands and Denmark. And when speaking mm-hmm. to me the other day, briefly on Facebook, and I offered for him to come on an episode we're about to record, uh, he says to me, no, sorry, I've got to call Poland. Um, <laughs> not not like somebody in Poland. It's like, I'm calling Poland, the whole country. Yes. Everybody <laughs> in Poland will be on the phone call. at once. <laughs> But, Ben, you were able to knuckle down another great interview here uh, with our <laughs> Noah Groves, our Noah Groves. Uh, uh, we, we own him. We'll, we'll make sure <laughs> to tag him on the end of this, too. Uh, but it's just a very brief chat that Ben had here with Noah. Being our 50th episode, we could not at least bring a person back. And we don't generally do this on 007. It's generally free-for-all. We talk. 
and we're all there to chat about shit. But given that this person has been missing from like our last 300 episodes, it's important that we somehow track him down. We have tracked him down. And you might remember him from such great episodes as all those other ones that weren't the last 300. Um, Yeah, Noah Groves, our third wheel who is missing from shit. Um, Hello, Noah. How are you? You found me. I was hiding away in the hills like Mr. White and you (laughs) found me. And I guess that means I have to shoot myself now. Yes. Well, you can. I mean, that's that's entirely up to you. Um, it would make it a very special 50th episode. Well, it would. Uh, and I could easily <laughs> say, I expect you to talk. And then you say, no, Mr. Ben, I expect you to die. I don't know. We should have planned this better. This is kind of shit. This <laughs> <laughs> quote things. Quote James Bond things. Um, 50th episode. You and Felix Leiter. <laughs> it's quite illuminating to have you on the show again, Noah Groves. Um, I, d- I don't really know what to say. We sort of said, hey, let's ask each other questions and shit, but this is not how 007 works. So um, talk, 50 episodes. Yay. Isn't that great? Uh, yeah, it is pretty great. Um, I guess we're expecting to have more than 50 uh, after we finish the film recaps uh, and our rankings episodes, even though both of them are great, they kind of disappeared. But, I mean, 50 is a big accomplishment considering all those episodes are like three hours long. So that's a lot of podcasting. Well, I think the funniest thing is the fact that um, even on our 50th episode, hearing from all the hosts and everything else in between, that we still can't all three of us get together. It's like, hey, we've got Noah. He's <laughs> finally emerged from his bunker to talk to us. But Colin's like, fuck you, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, he's disappeared. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of sad that I haven't been on as many of the episodes because it's always good fun. But... Uh, off chasing Bond around Europe <laughs> for the past, however, six, seven months. So, uh, visiting, what, what was it, Yorgi uh, in Bratislava mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff, what, watching Cara play in Vienna. So, uh, it's a bit of a shame, but I'm, I'm still glad that we made it to 50 episodes. And just because it's the 50th, that doesn't mean anything. That's still going to keep going, and we'll be on more episodes, I'm sure. Did you Did you walk around going to people? I'm going to scare the living daylights out of her. <laughs> old buddy. Old buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I've basically been saying in the episodes that you are just basically being James Bond, because, I mean, every time I see you post <laughs> something on Facebook, you're surrounded by a bunch of women in beautiful European locations. So, just be honest with <laughs> us, you have actually given up life in Tasmania to go and be... This podcast has gotten to your head so much that you've just decided to become James Bond. <laughs> I'm just going to be James Bond. Uh, yeah, well, Daniel Craig, he's out. Um, <laughs> so I've been in Europe, I've been trading, and I think the announcement's coming soon, about wow. 125, and uh, that I will be playing the new James Bond. And I've used my power to actually fire Ben Wishaw, so that we'll be getting a new queue, which I'm excited for. Well, this is an exclusive right now in 007. We can announce the new James Bond yeah. is actually Noah Groves. <laughs> They've decided that the platform that would be best suited for the announcing the new James Bond would be 007. They really <laughs> spread their wings in the casting net. Like, you weren't even on the rumours list, you know, Idris Elba, you know, Damien no, Lewis, and then all of a sudden, Noah Groves! <laughs> yeah, we get to announce it on here. So, very exciting, actually. It's going to be a big 50th episode. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? In the year when, you know, a, a game show host with no political experience can become President of the United States, let's get a guy from Snug who's never acted <laughs> in anything in his life. Yeah, it's maybe more realistic um, or more believable. Roger uh, more believable. But yeah, more, Roger more. <laughs> um, yeah, but I've seen, 
I remember in the Netherlands where I lived for five months, I stumbled upon, what was it, uh, Tiffany Case's house by accident. That was pretty cool. Was she still there? Um, yeah, she was, you just killed James Bond. <laughs> um, I could hear that from I inside. And Peter Franks was somewhere. <laughs> Who is your floor? <laughs> um, so that was cool. And I've been to some other, I went to Bratislava and Vienna and stuff like that. I didn't actually see the... Uh, on locations, Czech Republic, they filmed a bit there, I think Casino Royale. Uh, when I was in Switzerland, I saw a TV and it was showing footage of Piz Gloria. Uh, mm-hmm. but I was not at Piz Gloria, but that was yeah. still kind of cool to see. So, um, yeah, hopefully I get to see a few more Bond locations on my Euro ventures as James Bond. I've heard that about Switzerland, that they actually only over on their TV show just show two things, Piz Gloria and Roger Federer. <laughs> That's just all they know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just on a rotation. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, it's such a hard life you're living, seeing all these glamorous locations. You know, I mean, I got to see Estrella in Mexico City. That's about it. Um, and then I went to Winnipeg, which, as we discovered, apparently is the home of James Bond. So, um, yeah, that's the glamorous 50th. I mean, 50th anniversary. I, I should of- get that reference, but it's, we're really just displaying now that when we're not on the episodes, we don't listen to the. Yes, <laughs> yes, to the you need to. And on. can I just point out again, since as you haven't listened to any of these other episodes, if you start getting a bunch of emails from like the Canadian Museum oh, no. of Peace or whatever the fuck that place was called that we went to, um, we kind of just name dropped you a lot. We signed your name in the Manitoba Legislative Building um, as a visitor, so um, just. Maybe if you get a few comments from people in Winnipeg, just just say you were there a couple of months ago. Did you tell them that I loved the museum? Because well, I thought it was quite good. Well, it was, it was a Museum of Human Rights. That's what it was. And uh, basically, there was this video. I think, well, I like human rights. Well, I mean, so does Winnipeg. That's why there's a museum of it. But we had to do this video where it was like, when did you feel, you know, talk about a time when you feel your human rights have been violated. So I may have sat down and um, talked about podcasts oh. and things and then signed your name at the end of it. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, That's what those emails were about. Yes. Um, <laughs> putting you completely on the spot, you didn't know this question was coming. Again, we don't generally ask each other questions. <laughs> Again, it's free for all. Um, what's been your favourite moment of the 49, well, at least <laughs> the 40 that you've been involved in? Again, putting you on the spot here, Noah, it's what, like 1 o'clock in the morning for me and 3 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon for you? Why not ask you a random question? Uh, this moment right now, actually. <laughs> this, this is it. Um, Peak double oz seven moment. <laughs> uh, oh, what is your favourite moment? <laughs> oh, Roger, I didn't realise you were on the episode. <laughs> uh, oh shit! I don't know. Um, there's lots of good moments. I always like the funny moments, like whenever it just all goes mental and Name one. funny stuff happens. It's always good. Uh, I was, this isn't my favourite moment, but I was thinking about this the other day uh, when we were talking about that Mary concert we went to. And you're like, Mary, I don't remember her name. And I said, good night. And you, you with a complete straight innocent. Uh, yeah, it was a good night, actually. Uh, not my favourite moment, but I was thinking about that the other day for some reason. Um, oh, Got to be the I don't know, uh, T-shirt. I did... I, I did like the uh, impersonations we did on the bomb ranking episode. That was quite fun. Um, Colin yelling at us was kind of fun. 
Was um, <laughs> the skinny Esther, skinny Esther and fatty Esther references where I wouldn't be in skinny Esther? <laughs> oh, that was quite good as well. Colin getting turning into an arsehole. Um, <laughs> I liked a lot of the Moonraker stuff. Uh, of course, for your eyes only, just as a podcast as a whole, is just something else. I could listen to that anytime. We had so many funny moments in that one. Um, yeah, it's hard to knuckle down one, but uh, generally the the funny the funny ones. I think our intros and how they kind of <laughs> evolved. As well. well, not our intros, but like the rankings and how they all kind of evolved <laughs> over ten or so episodes to the point where we had intros for everything. Uh, Casino Royale fifties version of whatever it was. Yeah, first <laughs> bang bang. Well, well, the rankings, <laughs> that, that, that was quite good as well. So, yeah, generally the funny moments, that's what I like about our show is it doesn't take itself too seriously. We're fucking and, funny, all right? We're comedic geniuses, all right? We know that. Comedic geniuses. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, I like the funny moments. But, I mean, we do have some good serious discussions, but it, it's all about the comedy to me, I think. Yes. Uh, 007, much funnier than Spectre, etc. That's our new tagline. So... <laughs> What's up with them? Are they still going? Oh, I, I recently saw we had a ranking, uh, ranking. We talked about this on one of our most recent episodes that you haven't listened to. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's a shock. No one does really, let's be honest. But um, it's, we've got a rating on our iTunes now, which simply says, not a ripoff of Spectre, etc. So I was happy with that one. <laughs> um, that was... That was a good one. Who obviously wrote that one of Spectre, etc. about a rip-off of 007 has done the opposite for us. So, thank you um, for that. But uh, And there's been a lot of drama regarding mine and Colin's Dr. No commentary of late. I've noticed a lot of... Suddenly, that's the talk of the town. Well, you got, you got feedback. We got, we got our listener telling us why that, you know, again, I think we established yeah. that Australian DVDs play faster than North American DVDs. So, we're a little bit quicker down here. That was an explanation for it. Yes. I, I mean, to be honest with you, happy that we got, a, we got some feedback. We have a listener that literally wants to talk to us. And secondly, that there's actually an explanation as to why that this is... Like, who knows that? That person, I, I, I can never remember their name. I really should. It should be stapled on my head, like, listener to 007, knows shit about life. And they actually know a fact... Of why Region 4 and Region 1... I mean, that is something that nobody knows except for this person. That guy is probably the inventor of the DVD and he wins at life. Yeah, who would have ever thought it? Yes, good on you, random... The mystery was solved. Random person. Australians are faster than everyone else. Um, But I should let you go because, again, you've got to train for Bond 25. But I guess, again, completely putting you on the spot. None of this planned... Is there anything you would like to say or add in our 50th episode spectacular right now to both our listeners? Um, well, thanks for listening. Um, I hope you look forward to the Judy Dench interview coming up. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, what did, did I let that out? Oh, oh, no. Not Judy Dench, sorry. Gordon Dench. Go- oh, um, right. Sorry, I got people excited. It's just Gordon Dench. Close, <laughs> close. <laughs> Robert Fiennes. So, uh, uh, but yeah, glad we made it. Glad I could come on. I hopefully can be on another episode. I'd like to do another rankings one. Uh, keep listening, and hopefully we get some Bond twenty five news starting to come out soon. Because what? It's been over a year since Spectre now. 
Uh, we must start hearing something soon other than Daniel Craig wanting to slash his wrist. So, uh, exciting times ahead. And it's been at least a month since we've done an episode on Spectre, so I guess we need to start uh, doing another 300 episodes <laughs> on Bond 25. One. Still crapping our pants. Ah, wasn't that funny? <laughs> Sorry, we had to do that. We had to come in and be completely overbearing because that's apparently what we do. In all seriousness, though, it was, I mean, it's, we, we joke about Noah. We do love Noah. He hasn't actually been on, I think, as Colin said, since Doc. I mean, that was episode 42. I haven't been on an episode with him since episode 41. And if I'm not mistaken, we recorded that in May of 2016. To completely date this, it is March of 2017. So I haven't been on an episode with Noah in nearly a year. Uh, I mean, life has happened for me. Life has happened for Noah. You heard us talk about that, but hey, that's how it rolls. But we do miss Noah. I'm not kidding. I think that, you know, we we have a good thing going when it's all three of us. Um, and I sincerely cannot wait to the day that Noah stops being James Bond in Europe, stops calling Poland, stops doing half of Europe as he's clearly doing in his Facebook pictures and comes back on the show. We miss you, Noah! Um... Yeah, uh, I wasn't going to go that <laughs> Colin clearly does too. How much did miss Noah? <laughs> I mean, don't like, uh, get me wrong. Yeah, we miss him. <laughs> episodes were a lot less stressful when he was around. <laughs> but I'm not man-crushing on him or anything. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Noah and I have a Bond, Colin, all right? Just a James Bond, all right? <laughs> uh, so, I guess the best way to close this out here is you know, we are going to be bringing some of our favorite segments we've had over, I guess, probably at least the last year since we stopped the recaps. So we have, we've done best up for the recaps before and we'll have some segments coming up, but uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, favorite moments we've had on the show or some memories of the show all around? I, I should point out. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. Yes, Colin. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> technically, technically this is episode, what, 52? if you count our two best of episodes but we don't count them because they're best of episodes and I know that uh, you know we did what a 60s or 70s Uh, are we still going to get 80s 90s and noughties just putting pressure on you Colin (laughs) as we said I mean life gets in the way I've got a baby life finds a way Jeff Goldblum (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you have favourite memories or is that all you wanted to talk about it's just (laughs) two other episodes (laughs) Our math is not checking out your people. What's under your scroggin should have been the 50th. (laughs) I wanted to make Colin feel like shit. Um, Yeah, look, there's there's heaps. I mean, you know, I I don't know if we're tooting our own horn here. God, we're so good. Um, I mean, we are comedic geniuses. Again, that's what what we are. And again, I think as our one and only rating on iTunes says, you know, better than Spectre, etc. That's the mantra we go for. Um... But seriously, can I just point out, in all seriousness, I've never listened to an episode of Spectre, etc. I'm sure they're good. I'm I'm thrilled that there is another Australian James Bond podcast out there, and I'm sorry if it comes across like I'm being an arsehole to Spectre, etc. If you're listening to us from Spectre, etc., or you're a listener of their podcast, one of the two of you, 
I, I mean, no disrespect. And again, we, we seriously, we should do a cross episode, like Double Oz, Spectre, etc. Because I'm sure that would be something the listeners are dying for. Um, yeah. But anyway, that aside, memories, yes. Memories. Um, lots. <laughs> That's what I said before, wasn't it? Um, I, I mean, the song episode, I think, you know... It's been mentioned before, but that somehow turned into probably the funniest episode we've done. I think it's, again, been mentioned before that I've gone back and listened to these episodes because, again, I'm so in love with myself and I think that we are brilliant. (laughs) Putting that stupid thing aside, because anyone who knows me knows that's not true, um, I generally never go back and listen to anything that I've recorded because... even I hate the sound of my voice, all right? I can't imagine what you, the listeners, right now are thinking. But there's just something fun about reminiscing about these because at the end of the day, we are three fans of James Bond in front of microphones talking about it. And clearly, as you found out earlier with Robert Darby, we're maybe not as big as fans as we think we are. But listening to the song episode, it just it was just genuinely fun fun and maybe it just holds special meaning now that it was the last time all three of us have been on an episode and just the reactions and i'm sure we're going to hear clips from it very soon but like you know ian dion and um, the fact that i'm getting yelled at getting told to die um, which i'm gonna just say for a second i mean if you're looking for the episode title it was episode 41 titled drop dead ben which kind of started early on in the episode, if I remember, and it was more of a joke, but no joke to the audience. By the end of the episode, Noah and I were genuinely upset at Ben, <laughs> the way he was ranking his songs. So the episode title, Drop Dead Ben, has a lot of meaning for us. I mean, that's, that's a side note, too. I will say, the episode titles are often some of the funnest things we come up with, because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, any long-term listener would know that generally there are references to something we're talking about in the episode. I mean, I think everyone is. I mean, there might be a few there that aren't necessarily, but, you know, they've, they've come across that way. But, um, yeah, that episode was just... I think because that's the the second rankings one we did. We've only done two rankings. I mean, this was our project, wasn't it, after the recaps? We're going to do rankings. We're going to rank the, the the Bond girls, the villains, and we've done two. Uh, we've yeah. turned to commentaries. But, um, Which I'm just going to say, if people really want to know the reason for that, I mean, we want this to be the project that all three of us do. Yeah. Exactly. And we don't want to do this one without Noah, without Ben, or without me. So, whereas commentaries are a little bit more, yeah, they're a bit more relaxed. relaxed. Yeah. And I mean, even with the commentaries, I mean, I enjoy doing the commentaries. This was, I guess, a a project that we've we've done. I mean, uh, you know, any people who've listened to some of our other shows throughout the years, uh, you know, Survivor Oz, we started doing episode commentaries on on Survivor, and. You know, as often is the case with any of our shows, we like to get sidetracked. So there are mm-hmm. some of our <laughs> commentaries where we spend more time talking about ice hockey um, than we do <laughs> talking about the actual films. Uh, but I mean, even on those, like, I mean, I've enjoyed doing those with you, Colin. And then, like, I mean, particularly, you know, Die Another Day, the film, whether or not, you know, we obviously both have varying opinions on the film, but we got to do that in person, which I found that to be particularly fun. Um, yeah. I mean, that was something we used to joke about and we actually, you know, I was in Winnipeg and why not when in Winnipeg do as the Winnipegians do. That's your motto, isn't it? <laughs> Sit on the couch and watch Bond with a crying baby in the background. <laughs> and that in itself was brilliant. The fact that you've literally picked up the microphone to take it into Casper's room. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just want to say, elaborating on that, if, 
if people are kind of looking at maybe this is a segment where we just plug what is the best episode to listen to if you if you've only picked up on the show on the 50th anniversary why are you still listening um go back and listen to the song rankings and listen to the die another day commentary because as ben said you know he was here in winnipeg all the way from australia and one of his many trips around the globe <laughs> so he's making more fun to of come Noah, Noah more to come <laughs> yeah but we sat here and we watched die another day uh, ben on my couch, me on the floor, uh, just because my microphone <laughs> wouldn't reach to the couch. And the things that you got out of this, by just having us in the same room, the timing was a little bit different. Uh, you know, w- 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 there was a different uh, dynamic with us making fun of the movie. And, and the fact that at two moments in this, which we will hear clips from later on, uh, my son crying in the background <laughs> and my wife yelling at us <laughs> in the background. Uh these are things you couldn't get if you just had us uh, uh, one in Hobart and one in Winnipeg over Skype. I mean, it, it was it was such a blast to do that episode, and I'll probably never enjoy watching Die Another Day again. But that was the last time I will ever enjoy watching Die Another Day. He actually admitted he enjoyed watching it. There we go. It's a breakthrough. <laughs> I mean, I mean that in itself. Like, I mean, again, sort of you heard stuff we're talking with Noah as well. But I mean, you know, the, the Die Another Day thing was never planned. It wasn't like we started this podcast and go, Haha, let's keep a running joke about Die Another Day and play the song every time we like." It just it just happened, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of things in these episodes happen. You know, like uh, uh, what was it? My hatred of short-haired women, um, <laughs> and you know, things like that. Me and burning people which we didn't get to ask about i mean just just stuff like that and uh, i mean just go again going through these episodes i mean just little things like the quiche in a view to a kill like that became a thing uh was it um uh for your eyes only when uh we're we're actually making sound effects and like talking about (laughs) like this is our horse sounds and the horse i mean that was a running gag for a while wasn't it there's a there's another horse in the movie um, but I mean, it's just, it's just fun. And this is the thing. It's like, as I, going back to what I said, it's, we're just three James Bond fans who love talking about the films and, you know, we've never gone into this <laughs> wanting to make money. Clearly we're still poor. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a blast. And, and the fact too, that we get feedback and, and sort of communication, um, you know, I joked about our, our feedback on iTunes. I mean, we've had three ratings that to us is a, that's a win. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Um, so, to the shed mice of Viv Gilchrist and John John eighty one, uh, thank you. <laughs> but also emails. One actually that we we haven't talked about on air before because I've only actually got this in the last couple of days. I, I need to read it out. Um, Bryn Groves, who has emailed us before, Bryn told us about the whole um, DVD situation, the timing situation for our commentaries. But this one, and this this actually ties in beautifully to the fact that we've had Robert Darby on this episode. Um, <laughs> Bryn writes, I'm going to read this word for word. It says, thanks, Ben. That was in response to our last email, clearly. Uh, I have to say, I've just listened to your Licence to Kill podcast and was frankly shocked by the big deal made by the blinking fish statue at the end of the movie. Joking about it is one thing, but anyone would have thought John Glenn had used stop-motion animation to make it look like the statue had come alive the way Colin and Noah were carrying on. Is it really that inconceivable for them that there can't be some piece of art which, when water moves through it, causes part of it to move? Wow. There you go, Colin. (laughs) Well, (laughs) feedback is good. Can I elaborate on that? Uh, Go for it. First of all, I mean, we are more a comedy podcast here, so we don't want to talk about, you know, how boring this Blinking Fish was. It's just how <laughs> odd it is. I mean, if, if you really 
want an opinion, uh, Miss Groves or Mr. Groves? Is it Mr. Mr.? Who did you say it was? Bryn. Um, that's open to. Uh, look, I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't know. How do we? Do, how do we do right. this? Bryn, uh, a human being. Uh, Noah's artist. cousin. <laughs> Noah's cousin. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Bryn. Sorry. Or Noah's alias. Yes, it's, it's probably just Noah. It is Noah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his European name. Uh, it's Bryn. Yeah. Yep. Like, look, if you're up to this episode, Bryn, then you've heard Robert Dobby explain. And I know I'm critical of License to Kill as a movie, um, but the way that Robert Dobby explained how complex it was with the villains and everything, and, you know, how much thought they put into this, to have something as absurd as a blinking fish as the last shot of the movie is just a dumb thing to see at the end of the movie it really makes no sense i'm watching it right here as we're speaking it's a blinking fish why is it there i don't know (laughs) well i'll tell you now Bryn, that in our next chat with robert that's going to be one of the first questions that we make sure we ask him (laughs) the blinking fish you weren't in that scene i'm sure you weren't involved in it but was there any input that you found out that why there was a closing shot of a blinking fish Mm -hmm. yeah uh I mean, that, that, that was a really funny moment that we had at the end of that episode, too, though. But Colin yelling. Yeah, well, Anytime Colin yells. I just want to point this out quickly before you go <laughs> yours. The whole, you know, it's a blinking fish! And was it Man with a Golden Gun? What episode was it where basically you called me fat? Um, and you kept going uh, off at me. Spy Love Me, I think it was. Spy Love Me. <laughs> when it's like, oh, I'm starting my own band, Skitty Essa. Oh, you won't be in it then, Ben. <laughs> And whatever episode it was where you were, like, yelling at us, like, shut up! Like, Colin's a Canadian. Canadians aren't angry unless they're on the ice hitting a park. But this is, like, full-on Colin angry. This is where the Hulk quotes came from, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to mention, you know, which we'll we'll play a clip of also. I mean, the only thing that made our first groups of best of clips that we're going to have to include in here is the Marvel quotes, James Bond, which, uh, um... (laughs) You know, we didn't get to really explain this. Like you said, we go back and we listen to these episodes sometimes. Uh, not that we're vain, but like it, there, we there are. is something Let's about. Be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is something about these episodes that's just more enjoyable than uh, the other shows we do. I mean, like you said, I don't go back and listen to the other Survivor interviews I've done or or uh, the Olympian interviews we've done. You know, it is something you almost cringe at. You're like, oh, I could have asked that question a different way. But this is just a fun show to do. Maybe it's because we don't take it too seriously. And sometimes we do take it seriously. uh, And we do get angry. But sometimes just things evolve out of it. Like Hulk impressions. And it just it becomes the most absurd thing ever. And I think we all had that bit and thought, well, that was kind of stupid. And then listened to it. And I remember sitting at work listening to this episode. And the bit comes up when we're doing this. And I'm trying so hard not to laugh. And I I work in a section of the office that's very quiet. It's not like there's a lot of noise going on. And I'm basically snorting and burying my face in my hands. I'm sweating profusely over the course of only about 15 seconds because I'm trying so hard to hold back the laughter. Because it literally was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And that's not vanity. It was such a, a hilarious moment. And I'm just coughing, snorting, doing everything I could think of. What's less awkward than bursting out laughing, listening to myself right now? Do I have to fake a fart? What do I have to do here? <laughs> and I think I've shared the story too that when I was listening to the song one as well, and I'm I'm on a bus 
going from New York City to Washington, you know, and I'm listening to this laughing again, thinking to myself, if people knew right now I was listening to myself and I'm laughing at myself, um, that's, you know, what, what, what do people think about that moment? Yeah, uh, so let's give you a couple of the clips here that we've talked about, um, and uh, if you've heard them already, be prepared to enjoy them again, and fake your laughs, farts, and come up with your excuses for why you're laughing on a bus. Bond has to get Tiffany, so he walks on water to do it. Um, cool little gadget. If anybody has seen, I don't recommend seeing it, but the Avengers movie, not the Marvel one, but the Avengers one with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman and Sean Connery, it's pretty much the same gadget they use in Sean that Sean Connery movie. is it? Sean Connery's the villain in that. Uh, I do wow. not recommend watching that under any circumstances. Yeah, he plays Loki in the Avengers. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Connery is the Incredible Hulk when he hulks out. <laughs> you um, want to see me when I'm angry. Hulk smart. <laughs> Hulk smash. <laughs> I do, um... Smashing, positive, smashing. How many more Hulk lines can we come up with? We've said all three. <laughs> Doctor Banner, I presume. <laughs> you wouldn't like Bruce Banner. <laughs> hey, Captain America, what happened? <laughs> what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> Onto the climb. I love how that's one of his lines. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, what else does the Hulk say? Famous movie line. <laughs> what? Hulk. Hulk. what are you doing? <laughs> you said this famous line. What are you doing? Oh, the Hulk! Oh, the Hulk! Yes. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. What are you doing, Dad? The Hulk! <laughs> Oh, that famous catchphrase. It's it's pretty much like we could say in all honesty, it, it pretty much is the go-to line for Guy Hamilton's random background henchman. What are you doing? What is that? <laughs> is that Hulk's famous line? What is this? A merry-go-round! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to do the opposite now. Hulk quotes Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I was just taking my rap for a walk. <laughs> my name's Plenty, Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> what is this? A pervert convention? <laughs> you expect me to talk? I expect you to die. You just killed Jane Bond. <laughs> Throw up your pants. <laughs> <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, 007. Uh, Allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> I am Ernst Dunrobola. <laughs> On to the climb. <laughs> Just like Diamonds Are Forever, this podcast gets a little bit over the top and on acid. There's never happened to another podcast. Breathe, everybody. <laughs> Are you quarrel? Baby. All right. Yeah, we're going to have to move on here, otherwise this is going to go for three hours and 18 minutes. If you've listened uh, to any of our other podcasts, this is the time to choose. <laughs> All right, breathe, breathe, All right. breathe. Uh, 
short-haired Matabon, which is why Ben didn't remember her, is kidnapped <laughs> by a knight on horseback who rides her straight into a unidentified flying object. <laughs> a flying saucer that takes off. <laughs> Go ahead. I really did not see this film. <laughs> you don't remember the flying saucer that landed down on Times Square? You seriously oh, know I was up taking attention if I could not remember a flying fucking saucer. <laughs> That was like the biggest WTF moment of the film. It's a knight on horseback in full armor riding into a flying saucer. Yeah, how could you miss that bit of all bits? <laughs> oh, my God. So am I talking now? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Are we capping it at the knight and the flying saucer? I'm trying to find it. <laughs> Can I just point out, can I just point out, like, we, we, we have a little text box here that we like to type in um, for little notes, and I just want to read out here what Colin has typed about me. Ben has the musical taste of a middle-aged gay man. Um, <laughs> that is legitimately what Colin Hilding thinks about Ben Waterworth. Thank you, Colin. It's legitimately the way you come across. <laughs> And that's fine if that's your taste. It's just and an you're not a middle-aged gay man. Hello to all our middle-aged <laughs> gay men listening to Double Oz Seven today. Um, I will be joining the annual meeting in a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> the annual meeting is in a couple of hours. This is once a year, and you're doing a podcast. It's, it's very convenient. Prepared. It's very convenient that Colin brings it up. <laughs> Colin brought it up on the day of the annual meeting of the middle-aged gay men for Madonna. It's very coincidental. The annual gay middleman meeting. (laughs) It's on the same exact day. Wow. Colin. I had no idea. Colin, how did you know about the annual middle-aged gay Yeah, how did you know, Colin? I think Ben put out a tweet when he was campaigning for the presidency. (laughs) President of the Middle Age Gay Man Club Society of the World. <laughs> Who beat up on the 2nd of May after 11 p.m. Uh, I can't wait until Bond 25 when Cher covers the, the song and Ben revises his rankings to put it in the top if five. you believe in Bond after Bond. The fact that you both are going to rank this in the top 17. You had Diamonds Are Forever 17. You've got another way to die in the top 20. That ne- negates any argument. I've just put forth for Diamonds Are Forever 17. This is like the two most unlikely duet people in the history of music screaming at each other, and you're putting it this high? No. Ben said there's nothing wrong what? with Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of her fans who see her every year in Las Vegas would agree with me, Colin Hilding. Hey, I'm Canadian, and we all hate Celine Dion here. Well, her heart will go on, so I don't care. <laughs> her husband died this year, Colin. That's Have some respect. Game, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I think it's my turn. Uh, rest in peace, John Tenney. Um, I think that was her husband. Mr. Dion. <laughs> His heart uh, didn't go on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just see it now. 
know Maybe some people out there are groaning. Some people out there are laughing. This will not make the best of, but enjoy it for what it is. Well, I would... If no one's going to care because none of these millions of so-called fans are listening to 007, which they should be. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, Mr. Ian Dion. Um, <laughs> or whatever he's called. <laughs> His name really was Ian Dion. Ian Dion. <laughs> I'm like so sorry, Celine. This is like so, so disrespectful. I don't think Celine is listening. Celine Dion is at that point. She's the guest speaker at the, uh, the meeting today. Every... Keynote speaker. Every night in Las Vegas, she's like, everyone, thanks for coming to my show. Please listen to Double Odd Seven. Until now. I I really want to cry right now. Do it. Do it. I there's a tear coming out of my eye. Oh. Stop dead. Why <laughs> uh, can't um... you just make a good band? <laughs> All the other podcasts are respected. <laughs> <laughs> Um, seeing his reflection, his golden eye at number fifteen. Oh, what? This is Diamonds Are Forever all over again. This is the lowest ranking Pierce Brosnan theme. I said that. I said that when we did the Pierce Brosnan movies. That this was my least favorite Pierce Brosnan song. We didn't listen. Ugh. Nobody's listening anymore. The show's cancelled. Nobody listens We're anyway. <laughs> We're going home. Uh, I don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have run out of insults. Um, I've run out of criticisms. Uh, ben, drop dead. <laughs> wow. Drop dead like Ian, right? <laughs> hey, this is the nicest thing Colin's ever said to me. <laughs> I flew over America with you. Um, yeah, drop dead. <laughs> what if I did? What if I like, What if I pulled an E and D on and I died? Like, what would you two do? This episode would get a huge spike. <laughs> How would you get it? I'm recording it. <laughs> I'll go to your house. <laughs> Not like you're gonna threat. You're not going to press stop just as you die. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, got to stop. Gotta Can't stop. make it to my house for about three days. Just recording three days of just, like, static. <laughs> the correct answer to that is we would re-record without you, and it would be a better episode. Yeah, I hope your wife gives birth we- soon, Colin. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, Jamie. Well, where this new life, they always say that someone dies as the baby is born. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready are you ready about what's no, to happen i'm not ready are I'm, you ready? I'm ready to hear the baby cry because i know what's gonna happen you know what we're about to hear here it comes <laughs> here it comes no yes 
Yes and no. Yes, is that what you're Madonna! Saying? No. <laughs> I'm gonna. Oh, wake shut up. up. <laughs> Do you like the opening sequence? Like, uh, yeah, mute I like it. Mute it right now. Sometimes <laughs> the lollipops are playing. <laughs> I, I do. Hey, there's Will Young Lee. That's awesome. Um, no, I mean, I do like the the, the title sequence. I, I don't mind that at all. I think these are way more creative than what we saw in Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough, even. I mean, I... They probably are the, the second best of the Pierce credits. Wow, look, he just, he kind of sort of defended Dino the day in a way. Gave I it a did bit. nothing of the sort. <laughs> Second best of the Pierce. You can get out of my country. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff get you deported in Canada. <laughs> I don't think that's cool though, like with the sparks there and the women coming out of it. And I'll say this is maybe a little bit like vain, but both of us have listened to our song <laughs> rankings episode in the last <laughs> week. And my wife and I were driving down to Grand Forks for the the weekend, and I was playing some of the song rankings up. With I will say, the first thing she said to me is like, "Why would you listen to it? You already were there." <laughs> it just didn't make sense to her why I would. Because listen to her we there. are comedic geniuses, That's people. Right. I don't know what it was when you put up not not Dinah. You made a reference to Die another day, and she's like, "Oh, that song's awful." And she's like, "Wasn't there a Bond movie that the monkeys did the theme song for?" And I'm like the monkeys. Where did you get that from? Hey, hey, we're James Bond. We're here to kill some bad guys. Hey, hey, he's Korean. You couldn't tell because he's white. You really have to analyze this. Yes and no and yes. That would be better than Madonna's Dying of the Day. No. Yes. I should not be laughing at your child crying in the other room. I want you to do this. Here, hold on. I'm going to take Ben's mic for a second. Okay, hang on. He's taking it away from me. (laughs) Just so people understand. (laughs) This is what happens since the beginning of the movie. (laughs) He has buried his face in his mattress. (laughs) <laughs> I'll actually point out Noah did come with us and uh, <laughs> Noah as soon as we press the record that's Noah we had to put him down <laughs> <laughs> okay, that oh, was a little bit over much. the top then, but we are comedic geniuses. Uh, what, <laughs> seriously, seriously, does Spectre etc. do this? Like, do they like play clips of themselves and go, "Oh, we're funny"? I've actually just quickly, I want to say again, I, I, I love you guys. I'm going to listen next between now and our next episode, which we will tag shortly. I will listen to an episode of Spectre, etc. Um, but I love the fact on their review page, they've got more reviews than us on iTunes, but my favourite one here, uh, and I think this is probably the same John John who's commented on ours, has written, it's okay, one star. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he got his reviews mixed up there, John John. Maybe that was meant to be for us. <laughs> yeah. one for us and meant to be for Spectre, etc. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, th- this episode is fantastic. Just having Robert Davi alone yes. is great. And w- there are other guests that we've talked to that we're hoping to line up, but it is a lot of it is about timing. 
uh, we're all on different continents. You know, uh, we all we have many different shows we do. This just is one of the projects we have. We have lives. Some of us um, have families and children. The others don't have much of a life, so we just sit around waiting. Not mentioning any names about myself, but <laughs> cue sad music for the intro. <laughs> wop, 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 wop. But we have another episode coming to you soon, and uh, it won't be a six-week wait this time. Is Ultimately, the six-week wait this time was just how do we come up with this 50th episode. And now that you have it, it's back to just the same old garbage. <laughs> well, I mean, our next planned episode, I guess, uh, will be our, our Man with the Golden Gun commentaries. That's what we drew out of a hat. But, I mean, look, again, mm-hmm. we've, we've teased Robert Darby coming back on, and, and hopefully, you know, uh, in that might be number... Excuse me. <laughs> you were laughing at one of our clips there again, weren't you? <laughs> that was. Um, mm, um, <laughs> That's going to make the best of on the next on 100th episode. <laughs> this is why Spectre, etc., has six ratings and we only have three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, Robert Darby was going to come back on again. He has listened to this and decided to go on Spectre, etc. But hopefully he might make his second appearance soon. So, um, oh. as I mentioned before, uh, yeah, email us, 007 at hotmail.com. Uh, and if you've got potential questions, uh, because, look, we've got heaps, and I'm sure you, the listeners, have heaps, and who knows, Robert Darby could replace Noah as the third co-host of 007 if all <laughs> things go to plan. So, um, yeah, send him in, and we look forward to, yeah, getting Robert back on and not burping to him when he's on the actual <laughs> episode. I never thought in my life, as somebody who's, you know, been involved in radio and podcast now for, what, 12 years, that I can say I interview a Hollywood legend and also burp on an episode and decide not to edit it out and keep it in this isn't live this is not live that should have been edited out but no we decided to keep it in top dog ben you are a podcasting legend cue sad music (laughs) as ben said make sure to like us on facebook follow us on twitter subscribe to this show uh, and until next time, I have been calling and Ben, why are you such an idiot? <laughs> I can never hear an Arnold impersonation now. They're just so shit. Um, and my name is Ben, and I too have been taken into the jungles to meet drug lords, but I was killed, and this is why I'm so shit right now, because I'm a clone of my former self. That's life. That's life. I can't deny it. I thought of quitting, baby, but my heart just ain't gonna buy it. And if there's nothing shaking this year, July, I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and die. Blinking in this movie. What is wrong here? <laughs> <laughs>